Hey, welcome back to The Urban Monk. I'm here with a dear friend, Dr. Mark Hyman, who has been gallivanting around the world, uh, being a crusader for health in, in so many ways. I mean, he just finished a docu-series on the broken brain. Uh, it's helped so many people find that, you know, turns out how you live does matter. Uh, he has done so much work uh, with the IFM uh, and uh, the Institute for Functional Medicine. For those of you who don't know, um, he is a 10-time New York Times bestselling author. Uh, and is uh, at the uh, he's the founder and director of the Ultra Wellness Center where I'm going to be in a little bit hanging out with him. Last time I saw him was on the Dr. Oz show. He's been all over the media uh, and he's a serious doc doing serious work and he's seriously approachable. So that's what I really like about him. Dr. Mark Hyman, welcome to the Urban Monk. Uh, thanks for having me, Pedram. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's so it's so great seeing the work that you're doing. Uh, you're tireless. I'll, t- I'll tell you, man. It's it's. it's I sometimes get tired, but I am tireless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and there's a difference there, right? Like you're willing to fight the fight for you know the things you believe in. But yeah, people believe that you know guys that are out there hustling never get tired. It's just not true. You just got things that are worth waking up for and uh, shaking it off for. Yeah. Well, the good news is I know how to charge my batteries, and I'm lucky that I know how to as our friend Dave Asprey calls it, hack my health. So I can definitely get recharged pretty quick. That's it. So you're a medical doctor. You had your own kind of run-ins with uh, health back in the day, really kind of found your way wandering through the desert, really, you know, figuring out how to be one of the top functional docs. Obviously, you know, you've been at the Institute for Functional Medicine. You're one of the founding guys over there. And then uh, you're also the director of the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. And so you've been holding it down. Uh, and a lot of it had to do with food, it turns out, right? Not drugs, not pills, not potions and lotions, but food. And, uh, you know, that to me is a really welcome dialogue in, in traditional healthcare. Absolutely. You know, we have total misunderstanding of food. Most of us were trained that food is just energy that you need to eat to survive. And as long as you don't eat too much, pretty much doesn't matter what you eat, you know. And we've learned that food isn't just energy. In fact, Probably more important than the energy in the food is the information in the food, which are the instructions that literally act like code to run the operating system of your biology. And they regulate everything. They regulate it in real time with every bite. They change your gene expression. They regulate your hormones. They regulate your immune system and inflammation. They regulate oxidative stress in your body. They affect whether you produce stem cells or not. They affect your mood, they affect your brain chemistry, they affect even your microbiome with every single bite. So you're not just eating food, you're eating biological signal transducers that are regulating every important function. And you put in the wrong stuff, you know, like they say with computer programming, junk in, junk out. And I think this is what's happening in America. We're seeing an epidemic, and not even here, just globally, of chronic lifestyle preventable disease that's driven mostly by food. You know, what's fascinating is, you know, this is kind of the medical equivalent of an inconvenient truth because, <laughs> I mean, it sucks, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, you, you think you got it all figured out. Food doesn't really matter. Calories in, calories out. Take these pills for these syndromes. It's all kind yeah. of algorithmic. And, you know, we got this. And then yeah. this whole damn thing just kind of got upheaved because we realized it's infinitely more complex. And it's not just the food and the information. It's our microbiome. It's our genetics. It's all sorts of things that we didn't take into consideration that are actually impacting health. So, you yeah, know, it just got way more complicated. I mean, it's, it's going to blow your mind when I tell you this because you, you, I know you're into the microbiome. You might not have really thought of this, though. We're learning that. And, and by the way, just remember, your microbiome 
is regulated by what you eat, right? If you're paleo, it looks one way. If you're vegan, it looks another way. If you eat McDonald's and junk food, it looks another way. And each of them produce different microbiomes that have different effects. So you have 10 times as many bugs in your system as your own cells. You have 100 times as much DNA, in, which means that you have maybe 20,000 genes. There's 22 to 3 million genes from bacteria in you. And those produce metabolites, those produce proteins. And it turns out in your bloodstream, there are more metabolites from bugs in your gut than your own human metabolites. In other words, I call this the metabolome of the microbiome, <laughs> right? Think about it for a minute. So, and what's controlling that is everything that you're eating, both your own metabolome and the microbiome metabolome. So it's an auspicious thing. It's an, like an awesome and also frightening thing in a sense when you think about what the role of food is. So I think it's important that we, we understand what to eat. And that's really why I wrote this book, Food, What the Heck Should I Eat? Because people are confused. They have no idea what's true. One day you hear that coconut oil's the cure-all for everything and you should be eating it, putting it on your skin and having sex with it. And the next day you hear that coconut oil is going to kill you and it's bad for your heart and has too much saturated fat and like you don't know what to do, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's and, the hardest part, right? It's like I hear gluten and dairy are bad for me, but, you know, I tried that for a minute and I don't know if I felt any better, so I'm going to get a cheese pizza, right? And people just, <laughs> people just flip-flop all the time because, you know, yeah. they really don't know what to eat and every expert's yeah. saying something different. Yeah, eggs are bad, then they're good. Cholesterol's bad, then it's good. Egg and meat is bad, then it's good. You know, it's like a little confusing for people. Bread is good and then it's bad. So how do we sort through that? And that's really why I wrote this book. And, and it actually, um, honestly, is, it's not an accident we're confused. Um, it's, it's by design and it's intended to induce sort of confusion that will lead to the overconsumption of processed food made by the food industry, which is a multi-trillion dollar food industry globally that privatizes all the profits and socializes the costs, meaning they get all the money while we pay the bills. For example, mm. we pay the bills to grow the food through subsidies of commodities, corn, wheat, and soy that are produced into high fructose corn syrup, white flour, and soybean oil, which are the basis of all processed food. Then we pay for that food for poor 46 million Americans with food stamps or SNAP. The single biggest line item by a factor of probably 50 times is junk food. <laughs> it's like you look at a graph and it's like everything is at the bottom of the graph and then the junk food is like a skyscraper to the top of the graph in terms of what it's paid for. And then on the back end, we pay for Medicare and Medicaid for the chronic disease produced by eating that food. So literally we're triple paying through taxpayer dollars for the consequences of the food that's produced by the food industry. I mean, it's maybe amazing. a Coca-Cola should be $50 or $100 if the costs were not externalized. How do we account for that? It's a different form of accounting. Yeah. Well, and there's also, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming there's some subsidies for, you know, farmers and their water and all these types of like irrigation practices all around, let mm -hmm. alone, the, you know, the social safety nets and all these things that fall into like this quelle of, you know, like all these hospital yeah. visits are, are because of diabetes and what the hell's causing yep. the diabetes. 
Uh, but these guys, truth. man, these guys got lobbyists, right? And these guys have been yep. working Washington and working all the state capitals for a long time. And it seems like they've pretty much corrupted the political system um, and the industry has just got a chokehold on it. So, so what does one do? Yeah, well, there's a lot we can do. And I'm going to go into it. And there was a great article in the New York Times recently called Planet Fat about what Chile has done. And I want to get into that. But I just want to address the scope of what, what you're talking about here, because it is is enormous. If you follow the money, you'll understand why we have the food policies we do that are driving the food system we have that are causing the blowback on diseases and the economy and poverty and society and the cl climate change and everything that we can think of is pretty much driven by this. So the farm bill is a trillion dollar farm bill every 10 years or so. There's a half a billion dollars spent by 600 lobbyists just for this bill. Okay, and that bill provides, you know, seven billion dollars a year for soda for the poor. That's 20 billion servings of soda. And most of the rest of the food bought is is junk food. And President Trump just wants to change it to make it even worse by saying that 50 percent has to be processed food and they're going to give it to them <laughs> like prepackaged <laughs> junk. Um, and then we have. You know, the subsidies, as I mentioned, which are for farmers, 99% of the subsidies, which they call crop insurance to make it sound good, uh, go to the commodity products of wheat, corn, and soy. We know from the research that 50 to 60% of the calories eaten in America are from these foods. And those who are the highest consumers of those foods have far more heart disease, obesity, and diabetes. And that's why it, it, we spend 1% on supporting specialty crops known as fruits and vegetables. That's why the price of soda has gone down 40% and the price of fruits and vegetables has gone up 40% in the last 30 to 40 years. Our dietary guidelines were just called to task by the National Academy of Sciences, the nation's highest in independent uh, uh, board of science that has integrity. And they said the process by which our dietary guidelines are made telling us to drink three glasses of milk a day and that saturated fats are bad, are corrupt, that the panel members who determine the guidelines work for industry, and that they ignore huge amounts of data, for example, 17 meta-analysis showing that saturated fat doesn't cause heart disease, and they provide guidelines that then get turned into all of our policies, which is why the we, quote, we can, a handout from the government says, foods you should go with and eat as much as you want, slow and whoa, right? And the good foods are bread and breakfast cereal and fat-free milk and egg whites. <laughs> and the bad foods are whole eggs and things like that. And it doesn't even match the guidelines because the guidelines say we don't have to worry about cholesterol anymore. So we have some corrupt policies. On top of that, um, you know, we have corruption by the food industry of our public health organizations like the American Heart Association, American Diabetes Association, American Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, which have most of their money... Uh, provided by the food industry and then pharma. That's why the tricks and Lucky Charms and Cocoa Puffs all have the American Heart Association heart safety check mark on them. These are health <laughs> foods, according to the heart, American Heart Association. And they're funded by all the big food giants. Um, and, and we see this, you know, even across the globe. It's, it's really pretty frightening. We found, for example, that the sugar industry paid two Harvard scientists in 1967 to create a scientific report published in the New England Journal which at the time, by the way, had no conflict of interest policy that said that sugar was fine, fat was bad. Even though 
there was so much research that sugar was bad. And because the research was showing it was bad, they hired these guns for hire, paid them the equivalent of $50,000 in today's dollars to write this review published in the journal, New England Journal of Medicine. And it became the foundation of our food policy, which the guy who wrote it ended up becoming the head of the first dietary guidelines group, Mark Hegstead. And then you ask, what can you do? Well, there's a lot can be done. Um, not only, by the way, not only is, is, are those things happening, but they're using legal tactics and other tactics to try to subvert change. The soda taxes, there were four soda taxes passed last election. The Beverage Association, we used to call the American Soda Pop Association, spent $30 million fighting these soda taxes in these four cities. Not even nationally, just four cities. Bloomberg and Arnold Foundation spent $20 million of their own money, and they won. Right, uh, the the food food companies took San Francisco to court because they were putting warning labels on their billboards for Coca Cola, saying this is going to hurt you. So in Chile, the president is a doctor, the president of the Senate is a doctor, and they instituted some sweeping and magnificent changes in policies that we should do here. Number one, they did an eighteen percent soda tax, the highest in the world. Number two, they killed Tony the Tiger. They got rid of all cartoon advertising on any cereals or any kids' foods. They eliminated right. any junk food advertising on radio, TV, or print media. They put warning labels on the front of the packages. All it says is Frosted Flakes and two big black warning labels saying too much sugar and too much carbs. <laughs> so they're treating junk food like we did cigarettes eventually after generations of fighting here. Yeah, they create food, clear food labeling so that we know what's going on. Our food labels are so confusing. You need a PhD in nutrition just to sort them out instead of this is going to hurt you or a big warning label or, 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 or you're going to say this is, um, you know, sat sugar, salt, sugar, and, and fat, whatever, and red, green, and, 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 and yellow. Sorry, red, uh, red, green, and yellow for green is good for you, red is bad for you, yellow, you know, eat with caution. These are easy things to understand. So these, these are amazing policies that were implemented that are really going to change the future. Um, kids see media ads, 6,000 ads or 10,000 ads, depending on what they're watching in terms of the um, television, but they're in stealth advertising. You know, Paul Abdul and all those guys, they're on American Idol. They got Coca-Cola in front of them. That's not an accident. That's paid advertising. Mm -hmm. It's in social media. It's in kids' games. It's pretty frightening. So it's a bad situation. And so these guys, I mean, look, they're, if they're buying politicians, they're able to buy media on, on TV. And so that's the part that a lot, a lot of people don't understand about TV is, you know, you walk on one of these studios. And again, last time I saw you, we were on Dr. Oz's set. You look around, there's like hundreds of people working, lights everywhere. I mean, it is expensive to run a TV show. Yeah. So guess what you need? advertisers money. Yeah, yeah money 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 right and so who's paying the money to get in front of these people oftentimes is these junk foods right these big conglomerates that have the food and the funny thing is they have the food because they have our money because we're the ones buying it half the time right and so it's between you know the people who choose to do it and then the government uh subsidies we're making these guys rich and allowing them to come out here and really kind of compromise their food literacy yeah uh, and that to me is tragic well, yeah, it's true because, you know, there, there's very few people paying for advertising on television anymore. And it's basically big food and big pharma. Yeah. Yeah. So what about all this like like K to 12 education? I know that they've been you know targeting ever since, you know, Tony the Tiger and all this. Uh, is it still just as aggressive or there any oh, it's kind of incredible? I mean, in most schools, 50 um, percent of the schools have branded fast food food in the cafeteria, Pizza Hut Day, McDonald's Day, Burger King Day. Um, 
80% of them have soda and processed food in the schools or more. And um, it's, it's actually, many schools only have deep fryers or microwave ovens, so they can't even provide real food to kids. Um, and, and these schools are strapped, cities are strapped, and they take money from them. But I have a really amazing friend in um, Boston who's revolutionizing this whole approach by doing philanthropy and social entrepreneurship. In other words, she's actually a CEO, ran companies. Now she's running the school food change. And what she's done for the same price as a school lunch, meeting all the criteria that are needed, paid for new kitchens to be installed, paid for only real food, nothing that comes in a package, a can, or a box, put in special ovens and ways to cook real food. The staff love it. The kids love it. There's 50% less food waste. In fact, oh, there's almost no waste, whereas before 50% of the food was thrown out. And these kids are happier, healthier, doing better in school. This is a model that can be scaled across the country. But you're coming up against these big food uh, service companies who make all their money from selling us crap. Yeah. So we could actually choose what we eat. Fortunately, that's not, you know, you could still make, I mean, if you live in a food desert, it's harder and harder. But I guess the question to you, Doc, is what the heck should I eat? Well, that's why I wrote the book. So aside from the political issues, which I could talk about forever, it's really a practical guide on food. So it's not about ingredients, like should you eat this and this ingredient and that ingredient. It's about the food we eat. What about meat? What about poultry, eggs, fish, chicken? And what about uh, vegetables, fruit, beans, grains, nuts, seeds? And I have sections on each of these. They're sort of almost self-sufficient. You can use it as a reference book. I go through what do we know? What do we don't know? What do we get wrong? What do we get right? And then what are the sort of nine things you need to know or 10 things you need to know about this food? And I, and I address all the controversies. Should we eat meat? What does the science say? What kind of meat should we eat? Is it grass-fed? Does it matter? What, what types of meat? And, and is it true that it causes cancer? Is it true that it has saturated fat and it's bad for your heart or not? What does the data show? And I go through you know, the same thing for dairy. Every, every major food we eat, I go through and I, I, I guide people on what to eat in each category. So for grains, not all grains are the same. Not all beans are the same. Not all vegetables are the same. For example, the top five vegetables in America are potatoes, usually as French fries. Tomatoes, usually as ketchup or pizza sauce. <laughs> um, <laughs> onions, which are okay. Um, and iceberg lettuce, <laughs> which isn't even a vegetable in my mind. It's more just like a wrapping. You could wrap things in. <laughs> but, uh, right. uh, and, and so these are, these are the things we're eating. We're not eating nutrient-dense. And the most nutrient-dense the best vegetables we're not eating. So I go through that. I go through fruit. What about fruit? Is it okay to eat fruit? How much fruit? Which fruits? Same in every category. And also, what are things you should not be eating, for sure, like that are in our food? Well, 3,000 different chemicals. The average American eats five to seven pounds of chemicals every year. Every year. <laughs> Sorry, um, say that again. Five to seven pounds of pounds, chemicals. Pounds. Yeah. BHT. Um, right? Butylated hydroxytoluene. You want a spoonful of that in your coffee <laughs> you know uh obviously things like msg artificial sweeteners colors red dye yellow dye uh fillers thickeners uh all in there and and most of us don't know what they do and they're harmful and they haven't necessarily been proven safe by the fda i mean we took 50 years for them to say that trans fats were bad after massive amounts of research proved it waited decades even after the proof to to limit it they said well you have to label it and then after they labeled it there was a lawsuit by the guy who discovered this in the late 50s. It was 50-plus years for the FDA to finally, after a lawsuit, 
to finally say it's not safe to eat or non-grass substance, not, not, not generally recognized as safe, right? And yet yesterday, this was, and they passed this law years ago, and yesterday I went, I was in the airport, and I asked for coffee, and they gave me cream, quote cream, on the side, which I looked at, I just looked at the label, because I look at everything, it said high fructose corn syrup and hydrogenated palm oil. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, and, it's, and you go to the supermarket, it's still all there. So they, get, yep. they, gave, they gave them a big pass. I don't know how many years or decades they're going to have to take it out of the food, but it's all, it's all a big problem. So let's just talk, let's tease that out real quick. There's the high fructose corn syrup that I'd love for you to just tease out what the hell that does to the body and how that's all subsidized garbage. And then the hydrogenated palm oil. I mean, palm oil is the devil and is tearing down rainforest faster than yeah. we could, you know, uh, stand to stop it. And so these are two of the biggest corrupted uh, industries in the world, yeah. you know, being served on the side with a cup of coffee that most people don't even like, you know, question. Well, that's the thing. People think they're eating just for themselves, but every bite of food you take has a political footprint, a carbon footprint, and a human rights footprint, and unless and a water footprint. And unless we understand what we're doing when we're eating, and we're making choices that support life and support, uh, you know, restoring our climate, support human rights, support good political change, support our own health then we're not being kind of aware consumers. And that's the other part of the book, is I go through each food. Okay, if you love avocados, great. But do you know that the avocados from Mexico, the farmers there are being abused, beaten, and um, oppressed by the drug cartels who are, are using, the, um, using those to drive revenue as, while under money. And we call these blood avocados, like blood diamonds. So maybe you should get your avocados from California. Just one example. Right, but but you're you're right, Pedram. We 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 have to be conscious about what we eat in the sense of of what, uh, what's safe. So high fructose corn syrup and trans fats. If you just eliminated those two things from your diet, a hundred percent, your life would be dramatically better, and so would the rest of the world. Why? Because number one, high fructose corn comes from GMO corn that's pro, that's, that's grown in soils that are are tilled that are depleted using heavy levels of uh, fossil fuels, pesticides, and herbicides. So that's all a big problem. And the second is turned into a compound that is uh, new to nature, which is extracting high fructose corn syrup. So you've got separated fructose and sucrose, uh, glucose in your, in your actual um, drink. And, and that gets in your liver differently, and that causes more inflammation, more insulin resistance, uh, and it's actually a toxin. It may also cause leaky gut. And it's a lot of technical explanation. I can tell you that, but it's not a good food. Now, is it, is it that much worse than sugar? It's hard to say. They're both pretty bad, but it's definitely potentially has heavy metal from processing with chloralkali. It's not something you should be consuming. And second, uh, high fructose corn syrup connects to uh, trans fats, are the two I think worst things in our diet. Trans fats are basically new to nature molecules where they take a vegetable oil and they take it and make it a solid, like, a, like margarine, it's a solid, right? So they'll take hydrogen, high temperatures, blow it in. And it was thought to be better than butter. Everybody was on the margarine kick. I grew up on margarine. Uh, it's basically hydrogenated soybean oil. And that hydrogen means they blow in hydrogen at high temperatures to make the vegetable oil solid. Turns out that that's killed literally hundreds of thousands of people a year from heart attacks is also linked to diabetes, weight gain, maybe linked to cancer and dementia. Uh, and, and it's in everything. 
every baked good, every processed food, every French fry. Um, and now they've removed it. I mean, Michael Bloomberg was the first guy to remove trans fats from the fryers at McDonald's and all the fast food places in New York. I mean, it was, he was really far ahead of his game. But it's still out there. So it's also soybean oil, again, which is grown as GMO soybean. They use high levels of glyphosate, which is toxic effects. It's depleting the soils. It's causing soil erosion the way we grow our food. And that, most people don't know this. I don't know if you even know this, Petrum, but the way we grow our food determines everything about our quality of our food, right? If there's a lot of soil, rich organic matter, the food's more nutritious. But also, organic matter in the soil, using compost and using different farming techniques without tilling, that matter holds carbon. That's a carbon yep. sink. So yep. we actually can restore our soils, and we're seeing we're seeing 1.1 billion acres of farmland has been turned into deserts. So when we when we think about how to solve the problem of climate change. According to Drawdown and, and, and uh, Paul Hawken, we actually know that we can actually reverse climate change by starting regenerative agriculture practices that restore soils. And the other thing is water. Composted soils, rich soils with organic matter hold tons of water, which is why when you see where there's a rain in California, there's floods. When you see drought, because there's no, no the, water, the, the, the water can't be held in the soil. So... There's so many implications for what we're doing in terms of the environment, our health, not to mention the killing of our waterways through the dead zones that happen from the runoff of nitrogen fertilizers and kill all the plant life and phytoplankton. And on top of that, we're throwing so much carbon into the environment because of the way we farm. And our, basically our food system, when you take all the pieces in account, is the number one cause of climate change, not fossil fuels, not carbon emissions from, from energy. When you, when you lease that carbon in the environment, it goes in the oceans, which acidify and kill the phytoplankton, which produce the oxygen that you and I breathe, meaning that we're going to suffocate because of the way we're growing our food. So this is one big interconnected ecological problem. So it's important what you eat. I don't mean to depress people, but I want people to understand that they are empowered with every bite of food to create robust health for themselves, robust health for the environment, help reverse climate change, help end human rights abuses, help actually reduce the economic burden of chronic disease on society and help our economy thrive, even help with poverty and violence. You know, when people are eating these processed oils and processed food, the data show that they're more violent. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but there was an amazing study of prison, violent prisoners where they gave them a change in diet or change in diet plus supplements. The group that didn't have their diet changed, same amount of violence in prison. Diet change, 50% improvement, 56% improvement, and the... Um, and the, supplements. and the supplements were 80% with the diet. So you can just huh. change people's diet and end violence and homicide and suicide by 50 to 80%. That's unbelievable. You know, it's funny as, you know, if I get stuck having to eat airplane, uh, airport food somewhere, you know, you know, you and I travel a lot. Uh, you eat some bad food. Is that right? You didn't, you didn't watch my fo- avoid a food emergency video where I explained to you how to never be in a food emergency. <laughs> so you have to bring your shit with you. Well, that's it. No, I actually pack bars now. And, you know, I'll just go to places where I could just get steamed vegetables and, you know, do what I must. But, you know, you, the example you used about the coffee, like I'll go to places and be like, hey, you know, I want, uh, you know, coconut coconut milk and you know anywhere out of like la new york and a few other places they just look at me funny so you know then it's like you then you got to downgrade and it's like is it almond is it soy like what the hell you know the creamers just start getting worse and worse as soon as you know they don't have what you need what do you do for that like you know it's like you're obviously not taking the the, the toxic cream 
Yeah, well, uh, I'll drink black coffee if they have, you know, almond milk or soy milk. You know, it can't be perfect all the time, but, um, you know, I do my best. And if you're smart, and that's really what the book is about. It's about making you smart. It's about learning, you know, within each category, you don't, whether you're vegan or paleo or you're whatever, regular, you don't, you don't have any core philosophy. This is a really a sensible science-based guide. I take my 40 years of studying nutrition, my 30 years of medical practice using food as medicine, and I've synthesized it into a common sense approach that's really practical. That's, it's not, I mean, we've been focusing on the political and the social because I, I care about it and I understand the connections, but most people, I just tell me what to eat, you know? And I think that mm-hmm. that's what it does. It, it tells you why and what and how. Yep. And I think I, I jokingly call it the pegan diet. Not that we need another nutritional philosophy. It's more of a spoof and a poking fun at all of our extremisms and, and showing that, you know, like let's say you, uh, you're, you, know, you, you, you know, grains aren't all bad. And yet there are some people who probably shouldn't eat a lot of grains if you're type 2 diabetic, if you have gut issues. There, there is evidence that even a little bit of gluten can cause leaky gut and inflammation, even in a healthy person. So should we be pounding down the bread? Probably not you know, even in a healthy person. Um, so I think, I think we have to look at what are the alternative grains we can eat? You know, what, what are the alternative beans that we can eat that are not a starchy? And what are our protein needs? You know, I think you know, people say, well, you can be a vegan, fine, but there's re- research that we may need far more protein after 40 than we, than we do before to build muscle and to prevent disease. Yeah, yeah, and that's also, you know, part of it is the individual individualized basis of medicine and understanding, you know, so what's your activity level? Like, you know, you can't, you know, me... Uh, now, I, you know, my, my requirements might be very different than when I was doing 30 hours of Kung Fu a week. But then again, you know, it's like travel and, and, and tissue healing and all this. I mean, you just, it's, it's not easy to take care of yourself if the, the choices in front of you are bad. Uh, and even when the choices in front of you are good, it's like, you know, you just, you just need some good, solid, common sense advice on how to, how to go about looking at food. And that's, I think, has been the problem. A lot of people have, you know, on one end, you know, people are just like, ah, it's too complicated. I'm just going to have a Big Mac. And on the other side of that, you know, you have this uh, orthorexia, if you will, of people who are like overdoing it and are like, you know, what's in this yeah. and what's in that. And, you know, I know that you and I have talked about this offline. Do you address that in the book at all? I do. I mean, I think it's, 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 that's the whole point. It's about, you know, making good decisions. You know, you don't have to be perfect. Yes, if you're celiac and you eat gluten, you're going to get into trouble. But, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, I always talk about some foods as recreational foods, you know, like sugar is a recreational drug and it's like alcohol. <laughs> it's fine. But um, how much and when, you know, you, you, you're not going to drink a bottle of tequila every night, right? Or a bottle of whiskey. But, you know, having a drink once in a while is fine. Uh, again, it, if you're overall healthy, the whole point is to be resilient. And that's what functional medicine is about. That's what this book is about. It's teaching how to live and eat in a way that creates profound resilience. Uh, and it's, I think it's the best book I've ever written. I've written like 14 books. But I, I really do think it's, it's comprehensive. It's really a, an eater's guide to what to eat. It's, it's not extreme. And it's based on answering a lot of the confusing questions that people are out there. Should I eat coconut oil? What about ketogenic diet? What about... Uh, you know, dairy. Is all dairy bad? Can I have goat cheese? What about goat milk? Is that different than regular milk? Like, what, what about oatmeal? Is that a healthy breakfast? Should, what should I be eating? Like, and I think people really don't know what to do, and I think they're really super confused about it. It's funny. It's like every single one of those questions is on that like long list of questions that people take to their like you know family doc, and the guy scratches yeah. his head and it's like I, I yeah, don't really cool. know what to tell you. So yeah. you went and did that work. the The book is called Food. What the What the heck should I eat? By Dr. That's Mark right. Hyman. Um, and uh, man, you've been at this for a long time. Uh, just keep 
doing the work that you're doing. I love it. Where can people find the book? Uh, they can go to foodthebook.com, and I've got a lot of free stuff there for people, a video on how to you know, learn about the food, four biggest food lies and lots of uh, free gifts. But uh, you can order on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, go to your local bookstore, um, and uh, I hope it's helpful to people because I think for me it's, it's really, you know, really trying to address the big issues around food that we face today in society and also uh, how to actually eat a diet that makes you thrive, that makes you feel good, and that is not super complicated, it's doable, and it's not going to break the bank. And there's all sorts of great resources in there of how to do that. Love it. Love it. And keep doing the work that you're doing. Um, I know uh, I'll be reporting back to my audience. I'm coming up to see you at some point in the next couple months um, over uh, in, in uh, basically, I think you're in Massachusetts, right? That's where your clinic is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll see you and uh, just run through it. And I'm just, you know, I've been openly, openly transparent about all, you know, my stuff. So, you know, I'll share what, the work that we're doing and kind of share that process with uh, my audience because, I mean, look, yeah, every, awesome. every, everything's a learning experience, right? And if I could For sure. you know, make my body the workshop, I mean, <laughs> you should see the videos I posted yesterday. I'm, I got 20 some odd days to get a standing backflip and I'm in a parkour gym at the age of 42. Just, you know, just flipping all over the place, landing wrong, man, it's, you know, it's never too late. That. Did you I see it? It's, it's never it's, too late, man. You just, you know, so every good. day you could be healthier and better. I'm down with that. I'm getting older, stronger. That's it. That's it. Dr. Mark Hyman, your hero. Thanks for being here. Uh, let me know what you think. This is Dr. Pedram Shojai, the urban monk, and I will see you next time.